All right, Jacob's preaching this morning, but I still get to read the scripture. All right, I'm just saying, I get to read the scripture. I get to be the intro act this morning. I love it. Uh, we are in two sections, Numbers 11 and Lamentations 3. If you remember, we started a new series last week called The Land Between, and uh, we're talking about what it looks like to be in between Egypt and the Promised Land, right? What do you do in the middle, and how do you react? And so, we are in Numbers chapter 11 to begin with, verses 4 through 15, and it says this. It says, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance was like that of bedellum. Bedellium. It's <laughs> a word. The people went about and gathered it and ground it at hand mills or beat it in with mortars, and it boiled it in pots and made cakes out of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. So, Numbers 11. Jacob's going to bring the rest of your scripture this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jacob, if you don't know Jacob, Jacob, where'd Jacob go? There he is. I kept looking for you over here, and you're over here. All right, so Jacob, come on up here, Jacob. Uh, Jacob's been around here a minute. Uh, did we figure out how many years you've been here? Three years high school. And you're a junior in college now. Yes. So, a little minute. Yeah. A few years. Yeah. Uh, so Jacob has been an, an active part of the, was an active part of the youth group here, and then of course now is a junior at Bethel, and uh, he's going to tell you a little bit about that today as he shares his story and he shares the word. Um, and uh, so I'm so excited. Jacob is also, uh, you know, we have a foundation at the church, and uh, one of the foundation funds is a scholarship uh, for people who are looking at going into ministry. And uh, Jacob is one of our recipients of that scholarship. Uh, so uh, kind of a fun added bonus this morning, but uh, I reached out to Jacob because originally, before some of our church stuff was going the way it was, and we were gonna, we weren't. It doesn't look like we were heading heading anywhere yet. I said, I know what we'll do. We're gonna do a disc golf based sermon series right after Easter. And so I reached out to Jacob because Jacob plays disc golf with me, and I said, Jacob, you want to preach in this series? He's like, Yeah, that'd be awesome. So I said, Okay, we're gonna do this series based on disc golf. He goes, oh, Even better, right? So then I asked him, I said, well, okay, which Sunday you want to preach? And he goes, well, I only have one. I was, well, I guess that's the one, right? So this is Jacob's one, one sermon, except about a month ago, 
uh, we decided, you know what, that series doesn't work because we're going headed a different direction now. So we're going to do this new series called The Land Between. And it was a cool God moment because I reached out to Jacob and, uh, and I said, Jacob, we're going to change it up. Are you still willing to preach? Here's what your topic would be. And he goes, holy cow, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. <laughs> so it's hilarious sometimes how God works. And uh, so it is my great pleasure, great, great pleasure to welcome Jacob this morning and uh, to hear the message he's got for us. Thank you. So as Chad read for us this morning, um, and as one of the, uh, the people downtown said, this passage is very meaty. Um, there's a lot going on. So where do we find ourselves in this passage? We're still in the desert. The Israelites, God has called the Israelites out of Egypt, out of captivity, out of slavery, and he's sending them to the promised land. The land promised to their forefathers. The land promised to Abraham. But they're stuck in this wilderness. They're traveling. They're complaining. But they're not the only, the Israelites aren't the only ones complaining. We have another character in this, in this passage that's also complaining. And his name is Moses. Now Moses was called to God, called by God to lead these people out of Egypt into the promised land. And here we find them saying, I wish we had meat. Oh, that we had the meat. We had fish in Egypt. It was so good and it was free. We had these cucumbers. We had these melons. Oh, Moses, why can't you give us food like that again? And then we have another person, the Moses, who's also complaining. Saying, God, why did you give me these people? I don't want them. They're just complaining to me about everything. I can't give them what they want. Help me. I'm sure we've all felt this way before. God, I don't know what I'm doing. You've given me this opportunity for a new job. I don't know if I should take it. That means maybe leaving my home in the community that I built. Or God, you've, you've called me to serve in this way, but I have no clue how to run a sound booth or, or move the sliders. I don't know what I'm doing. God, help me. The land between is fertile ground for emotional collapse. The emotional collapse of the Israelites, the emotional collapse of Moses, an emotional collapse in our own very lives. But there's a difference between the two different complaints that we see. See, the Israelites are complaining about God and about the situation that they're in, and they're like, we just want this. Just give us meat. And before they were like, just give us food. And I'm sure later on they're like, just give us this. Eventually they're asking for water. Just give us water. And they just keep giving these, asking for these complaints, asking for these things. But Moses in his complaining is turning his face towards God. He's saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. Now in the church, we don't call that complaining because complaint is like, has a negative connotation to it. Like, I complained to my mom when I wasn't feeling well or something wasn't done right or your kids complained to you or your friends complained to you like, oh, I really just want to take a nap. 
but I know I need to go do yard work, or I need to write a paper, or I need to do this or that. So in church, we call it lamenting, or, or mourning, or something like that. Lamenting. And so here Moses is lamenting. Moses is praying to God. So as Chad said, I'm still in college. Um, I went in as an education major, music education. I set out to teach middle school band because I love middle schoolers. They're so wild. But I set out music education. I'm going to do it. And I loved my classes. I was doing so well. It was a great time. Taking music theory, music history, learning how to teach through EdPed. But it was halfway through last semester that I realized this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I don't think teaching in the school is what I'm supposed to do. I feel this call to ministry. And so one morning after being afraid for a while, I, uh, I either went into the registrar or I just logged onto my computer and said, I'm changing my major, intercultural studies. I hit submit and then I felt the weight of everything come on me. Because as soon as you do something on a small Christian campus, the news gets around. Eventually, my professors knew before I even told them that I changed my major. And I was met with both good things and bad things. Wow, Jacob, I'm so proud of you. But one professor that I looked up to said, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed right now. You're going to be a really good music teacher. They don't make any money in ministry. You also don't make money in education. But... <laughs> But you, you don't make money in ministry. You could just volunteer on Sunday mornings and, and the kids and the youth, or you can volunteer elsewhere. Or, you know, you can just preach part-time. Why'd you have to change your major? You could have done so much. But not only that did I change my major, but one of my best friends, someone who I would go to, we would have late-night ramen nights, uh, eat sushi because I felt like it. And he, didn't, he didn't want to spend the money on it, so I just bought it. But he decided, and I'm so grateful he did, to go to South Africa for a semester abroad. To learn about what's going on there, um, and just to study a new, a new culture, a new environment. But he's now in a 16-hour and, I think, 26-minute flight from Chicago O'Hare to Johannesburg. That's a couple thousand miles away and a seven-hour time difference. He was, he was gone. And then as I'm moving into college, I stick the key in the lock, I turn it, I unlock the door, open it up, walk right in, and someone's stuff is in my room. I know this isn't mine, and I know this isn't my other roommates. And so I walked to Student Life, and I was like, did we, did we get a new roommate? They're like, oh yeah, we, we didn't tell you about that? We had, this, we, we had this guy that needed a room, and so we just kind of tossed him in there. He kind of knows English, but it was just a lot all at once. Coming back into school, getting ready for the semester, and finding out, hey, you have someone new with you. It's been a blast, but it's also been hard trying to learn um, how to navigate what I knew and then changing it to adding another person. And so with all this going on, I set a goal for myself. I'm in a spiritual formations class at Bethel. And so I had to come up with what I wanted to do for the semester. 
And so I decided I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations because who does that? Who just sits down one day and is like, I'm going to read Lamentations. But God has been teaching me so much through that. I feel like I've, I've kind of got the grasp of how to lament in these difficult seasons in this land between. And so in most laments that you read, there's a, there's a basic three pattern to them. We find them in the Psalms, we find them in Lamentations, and we find them throughout the rest of the Bible as well. And they all have a similar pattern to them. And that is honesty, requests, and then relying on God. And so I want to look at Moses' lament a little bit more to see how he incorporates all of these. And so Moses, in his honesty, why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight? I didn't choose these people, God. Why did you give them to me? I didn't want to do this at first. Why did you have this for me? Moses is being honest. He doesn't want to deal with these people. People are hard. And when they just come to you with complaints all the time, and sometimes, like for Moses, unrealistic complaints, how is Moses supposed to find meat for all these people? He's being honest with God. And we can too. Be honest with God. My mom always told me, honesty is the best policy. And so Moses here is being honest. He's telling God, I, I can't do this, nor do I want to. And then Moses goes into a time of requests. He says, the people weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. And I am not able to carry this alone. The burden is too heavy for me. So if you will treat me like this, take my life. If I find favor in your sight, so that I may not see my wretchedness. Moses is requesting to God what he, exactly what he wants and what he thinks he needs. He's saying, I don't want to do this, so if, you, if, you find if I find favor in your sight, take my life from me, I can't do this. For us, God, I can't pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God, I have all these assignments lined up right in front of me. Eight-page paper after eight-page paper presentation. I don't know how I'm going to get through. God, my family is so difficult to deal with right now. I don't know how to do it. Give me the strength to continue on. So send your request to God. And then the third part, and what I think is the hardest part, it is so easy to, tell, to be honest with God, to tell Him how you feel. It's so easy to tell Him what we need. It is so hard to trust and rely on Him. It is so hard to be, remember, to be reminded of his faithfulness. But that's the third part. To rely on God and trust in his faithfulness. In the, in the verses after this, in 16, 
we read this. The Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you, and I will put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so you may not bear it alone. And so here Moses is relying on God. Moses then gathers the 70 people, and the spirit of burden that he had is now given to the other 70, so that he may not bear it alone. Now, sometimes in our laments, God doesn't give us something directly. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that he's still with us. I needed that this semester, that God still has a plan for my life. And so Lamentations 3 is, is one that I go back to almost on a daily basis. I'm going to start in verse 20. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. So this semester was rough. But God kept bringing back this passage to me. Jacob, my mercies are new every morning. I am faithful to you. I will take care of you. And he proved to me that once. As I lay in bed at the edge of my rope, not knowing what to do next or where to go, crying out to him. I figured, well, I might as well just take a nap. But then all of a sudden, my phone started buzzing. I was like, it's probably mom. I should probably answer this. But I picked up my phone. I flipped it over. And no, it was my friend in South Africa, thousands of miles away, calling me. And the first thing he says to me is, Jacob, I've been thinking and praying for you lately. I know it's been hard. How are you doing? And so for the next hour, I, I talked with him on the phone, and that blessed my day. It was so good. God reminded me that he is there for me and that he is faithful through just a simple phone call from a friend. And so when it comes to lamenting, using passages like this, um, I have a couple favorite psalms that I love reading. Psalm 13. Um, it should be in the notes on the Bible app. I don't know if it's linked yet. It wasn't this morning. But Psalm 13 is one that I really like reading for personal lament. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? And then I know as, as a university, we have just, we're grieving the loss of a student. And so as a university, we've been reading some communal laments in Shiloh, our prayer chapel. And so Psalm 44, O God, we have heard with our ears, the fathers have told us what deeds you have performed the days in the days of old. 
And then later, all this has come upon us that though we have not forgotten You and we have not false Your covenant, our heart has not turned back nor have our sharps departed from Your way. Yet You have broken us in the place of jackals. And so when it comes to lament, God has given us so many different things to help lament and, and to learn. And a lot of these follow that same pattern of, of being honest with God, sending your requests to Him. And a lot of them end with, with this positive note of, great is your faithfulness, God. I know that you're still there, and so I'm going to have this hope. But that doesn't always happen. There's one more passage that I want to take a quick look at because it offers a little different ending. And it's okay for laments to not always end with on a positive note. Because sometimes there's just so much sorrow in you that you don't know what to do. And so Jeremiah in the Babylonian exile ends the entire book of Lamentations like this. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore to us, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And so when it comes to lamenting, there's not just one like concrete solution. I've laid out this outline that you can follow, but I think what's most important when it comes to lamenting is, is being honest with God where you are. Turning to Him first. Turning to God with your, with your requests. As our author in the book writes, <clears throat> Moses is honest with his feelings, and in doing so, he is facing the right direction. A dialogue has started, intimacy has deepened, in opening his hands to release the frustration and anxiety, he has also opened his hands to receive God's provisions. And in our prayers, we do that too. And so when you find yourself like Moses, like the Israelites, in the land between, on the verge of or in the midst of an emotional collapse, turn your face to God. Give Him your pain. Give Him your anxieties. I don't know if I was taught this growing up or if it's just something that I believed, but I believe that if you ever doubted God or what was happening in your life or you were frustrated or angry, then you, weren't, then you, you really weren't believing and trusting in Him enough and that your belief really wasn't there. But I read this quote a while ago and it, and it came back to me as I was preparing this. And it is, Lament is a cry of belief in a good God a God who has ears to hear our hearts, a God who transfigures the ugly into beauty. But lament is, is a cry of belief in a good God. And so this land between, where emotions are high, anxiety is high, the wandering, the if questions 
or my favorite, the what if questions. It's okay. Turn to God. Cry out to Him. For He listens. And I want to end with this last note. A verse that I've read a couple times, but I've always been like, well, I don't know how to do this. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus tells us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so in this land between, come to Jesus, come to God, and he will give you rest. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your son, for the people in this room. Father, in, in stark contrast to what the lamenter wrote, you have not utterly rejected us. You have not forgotten us forever. In fact, you sent your son, as we remembered just the other weekend, that you sent your son on the cross so that he may take our sins and ultimately rise again so we may join you in heaven, in your kingdom. But Father, hear our cries. For while we are not in heaven yet, we are still on earth. And it is hard. Sometimes it is hard to wake up in the day. Sometimes it is hard to go to bed at night. So Father, hear our cries to you when we come to you. But remind us of your faithfulness. Of the joy that we have when we are with you, when we are with the Father. So God, we thank you. I can't say it enough. Thank you. For all that you've given us. And all that you will continue to give us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us? As